we're so excited that you're here tonight. We're so glad that, uh, uh, that you're here with us. I know it's a rainy and a cold day. This is my favorite kind of weather. Uh, I was just discussing at dinner, uh, don't give me spring, don't give me summer. I accept fall, I enjoy it, but give me the dead of winter. That is what I love. I want it to be ice on the ground, snow in the trees, and just to simply put it, because everything that tries to hurt me is dead or hiding. And so it's my favorite time. I can go outside, and mosquitoes don't swarm me, snakes don't come out to bite me. It's like the best time to be to be alive is during the winter, but I know it was cold and rainy, and I'm glad you decided to be here. Crazy enough, some people don't come to church when it rains and when it gets cold, but I'm glad that you decided to. We're, tonight, we're going to be wrapping up Galatians chapter 5, and uh, this is going to be probably one of the most popular uh, or most well-known portions of Galatians, uh, and we're going to get to that in just a couple of minutes. But when people, when usually when they talk about Galatians and they get kind of into that, uh, you'll see this next portion brought out a lot because of that. And uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to dive right into it. It's going to be great. Uh, just if you weren't here last week, uh, you know, just I want to uh, encourage you, go back, listen listen to it, get caught up, hear Pastor Bradley's teachings on the previous chapters as well. It's been a great study so far, and so I hope that you can uh, stay in the loop with all of that. But we're going to get ready to dive right into this thing. And so we're going to start tonight in verse 16. And so we're in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start with verse 16, and this is what it says. It says this, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay? So if you remember, uh, last time we talked, last week, we were Paul ended it in that little section. He was saying, but look, the law's been fulfilled in one word, and that's to love your neighbor as yourself. And, and Paul was just saying, you know, and he was even alluding back to what Jesus has said. Jesus said you can fulfill the law in two commandments, that if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and soul, and if you love your neighbor as yourself. And Paul alludes to that here, but now he begins to, to, to go further down. Because remember, he said, love your neighbor as yourself, and don't devour and bite and chew one, uh, one another out you have to stay in love towards each other. Well, now he transitions now to, I want you now to learn how to walk by the Spirit, okay? Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. So this is something that's going to be a, a little tricky tonight. When I say tricky, I mean it doesn't involve me. It involves you. Because walking by the Spirit is going to be a personal choice that each of us in this room make. Uh, and the crazy thing about it is like what Paul just says here. He says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, that seems simple enough. If you have, Now, we all have desires of the flesh. I don't have to go into all of those. Paul's going to go into those very soon, uh, but I don't have to go into what the desires of the flesh are. Okay, These are things that are sinful by nature that we crave. Okay, uh, if you newsflash, if you didn't know this, but you naturally crave to do sinful things. We were born into a corrupt and sinful world. 
We were born into sin because of the curse of Adam when Adam and Eve, when they committed the first sin. We were now born under that curse. And so that's why when we're growing up, you don't have to be taught to sin. It comes naturally. It is natural to get angry at one another. It is natural to want to fight one another. It is natural to to desire these things. It's natural for lust to take place. Uh, This is just part of it. And so Paul says, if you want to resist caving into the desires of your flesh, then I'm encouraging you to walk by the Spirit. So let's go a little further before we break this whole thing down. Verse 17, he says, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the thing that you want to do. Okay, now this is going to be a track that runs both ways. And Paul lays that out for us. He says, look, the flesh goes against the Spirit, and the Spirit goes against the flesh. They're constantly fighting against each other inside of you. If you have ever felt like you have an internal conflict going on over the decisions, over what you want to do, it's because you do. You do have an an internal conflict going on inside of you. They're just a part of you. That's the flesh. I want to go do this thing. I want to go say this. I want to. And then there's the spirit, and the spirit is saying, "No, you don't need to go do that. You don't. You don't need to go be in that place. You need to shut your mouth. Stuff like that. Stuff that keeps us sanctified. Stuff that keeps us uh, uh, walking rightly." And Paul says they are constantly warring against each other, and they keep you from doing the thing that you want to do, okay? So if you want to walk by the Spirit, well, the flesh shows up, and the flesh strives to keep you from walking by the Spirit. I don't know about you, but it's happened to me before where I I decide, because let's be honest, sometimes we can get complacent and we can slack in our walk with Jesus, Okay, I know I'm not the only one. Uh, it's easy where if you miss one day of reading your word, where it compiles into do, two days. Now it's been a week since you've last picked up your Bible. It's easy where if you don't spend time in prayer one day or talking with the Lord one day, that now it's a week later. Same thing where if you miss a church, if you, if you miss a Sunday service, now you've missed a whole month worth of Sunday services. And so it compiles. And so the Spirit wants to do things. The Spirit wants to. But have you ever noticed the moment you decide, I'm going to start doing better in my spiritual life, that something just seems to come up out of nowhere. Something just pops up, and it's, it, it, it's, we should almost you know, catch on by now, but we don't. But it just distracts you, and it pulls you away from what you're trying to do. That is simply the desires of the flesh. I'm going to give you a little bit of a comical answer, okay, and then I'll give you a more serious one. But but my wife and I, we were looking uh, 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 hope she had made a little bit of money selling a lot of the kids' things, making space in the house. Amen. Hallelujah. And so she, she said, look, me and you, let's go have a date. You know, I made a little bit of extra money. Let's go out to eat. And so we started looking at places that we liked and whatever, and one of those places was Red Lobster. Now, I don't know if you like seafood, but I, I, I'm a big seafood person. If it comes out of the water, I'll eat it. Uh, And so we were looking at it, and guys, 
it was the deal of a lifetime. Have you ever heard of a surf and turf? Now, if you don't know, a surf and turf is a lobster tail and a steak. And it's on, the, it's on the same plate. And it comes with like two sides of baked potatoes, what I want with some butter on it. And then you add something else in there, you know, whatever else you want to add. I've got my three things right here. That's what I want. Usually a surf and turf, because it's a steak and it's a lobster tail and it's all this great stuff, it's going to be about $50, if not more. But a red lobster is going to be like, you know, 45, 50 bucks for a surf and turf. Guys, there was, there's a surf and turf going on at Red Lobster for $24.99. $25. You get us. Do you know when they have it? Wednesday night. Guys, I got to say, I didn't want to walk in the spirit when I saw that. I wanted to walk by the flesh. And I said, baby, you don't worry. I'm going to call pastor and I'm going to let him know I can't make it tonight because we're going to go get a surfing turf. Two of them for just 50 days. It's going to be great. But I've noticed that there are times in my life where I say, you know what, today's the day. I'm really going to kick it up. I'm going to uh, start praying more. I'm going to get back into my Bible. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go on a fast. I'm going I'm to do something that's going to get out of my comfort zone because I want to draw closer to God. And about that time, something comes up, something pops up that takes my attention away, and it tries to keep me from doing what I want to do. And Paul says right here, very clearly, he says, what that is, is that is the spirit and your flesh warring against each other. And they're constantly going to go at each other. And they're constantly going to fight each other. Why? Because they want to keep you from doing what you want to do. Let's look at the flip side of that. If you decide, hey, Chase, I'm just going to ignore everything you said, and I'm going to walk by my flesh... Well, that's great, but you'll notice, especially if you've been saved, if you've been filled with the Spirit of God, that when you go to try to walk by the flesh, there's going to be an uneasy feeling that comes with you, and there's going to be that small, still voice whispering the whole time going, we really shouldn't be here, and we really shouldn't be doing this thing, and we, and, and we really should get back to, to the presence of God and to, to, to the will of God in our lives. And you say, well, what is that? Why does that happen? Well, because you're trying to go down the route of the flesh, but the Spirit is trying to keep you from doing that. Both are pulling at you. And so tonight, you have to make a decision. What voice are you going to listen to, and how are you going to walk? You see, because when Paul said, walk by the Spirit, so that you don't gratify the desires of the flesh, you know what that tells me? He's talking to saved people. The problem is that even saved people can walk in their flesh. Believe it or not, we all can. My father-in-law, he, 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 he was like a mentor to me the time that I spent around him. He was a great man of God. Still is. He's not dead. He still is a great man of God, and, and I admire him, and he talks to me still to this day sometimes about things. And he would say this about Christian people. He would say, well, he would say some kind of spirit is operating in their life, and it's not the Holy Spirit. And I was like, well, what are you talking about? They're saved. They're yeah, but if we as believers choose to walk by the flesh, we put ourselves in the position of being used by the enemy. That's why sometimes if a fellow brother or a fellow sister 
hurts you in church, you don't got to get mad at God. You need to ask yourself, are they walking right now by their flesh or are they walking by the Spirit? Because that's going to give you the answer to your problems. Because as much as my wife loves me at home, and as much as she appreciates me as her husband, there are times where I don't walk by the Spirit and treat her as she should be treated. And I say things that hurt her feelings and make her upset and they make her angry. And she has to understand Chase is not being who he ought to be right now because he's walking by his flesh. But if I can get Chase to walk by the Spirit again, it's all going to work out. And so you have to ask yourself tonight, how are you going to walk? Are you going to walk by the Spirit of God that's living inside of you, and this is what He has for you, and this is the direction He wants you to go, or are you going to deny that and walk by your flesh? Are you still with me tonight? This is good stuff, I know. And it's hard to do because the flesh, Jesus said this when he called his three disciples up there to pray with them right before he would be taken into custody. He said, stay here and pray with me. And Jesus went further into the garden of Gethsemane and he prayed and prayed and prayed. And when he came back, they were always asleep. And he said, look, he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We want to do better. We want to, you know, we want to grow. We want to do this. And, and again, I don't know if this is anybody else or if it's just a me thing, but there have been times where you're sitting there and it feels like you're literally in a boxing match because you are wrestling yourself on the decision you're trying to make in your life. I don't need to do that, but I want to do that, but I don't need to go here, but I want to go there. And you are just fighting yourself in your mind and in your body. And I want to point to you to what Zechariah 4 and 6 says. He says this, so he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Take, take some advice tonight from someone who's tried. You cannot in your own power do what you need to do to be better. You can't make that call. You cannot make that choice and that decision. If you could, you would have done it a long time ago. Are you with me tonight? The things that you need to give up, the things that you need to lay down, the people you need to stop being around, you know they're not good for you. You know you're walking by the flesh. But if you had the might and the power and the willpower and the strength and the mental fortitude to do it, you would have already done it. And that's one thing I had to come to the realization in my own life was I would have already done it if I could do it. The problem is I'm weak. And that's why he said it's not by might, it's not by power. Okay, how strong you are. I don't care about your discipline and your mental fortitude. I care about are you walking by the Spirit of God. When, when you look out, there needs to be the Spirit of God in front of you leading you the way. He needs to be leading you in everything that you do. When I've got my two boys and we're walking outside or if we're walking in public places, I just snap and I'm like, you better stay right here by me. Because everywhere I go, he better be right there behind me. 
And that's how the Spirit of God needs to be in our lives. He, be, he better look back and see you hanging on to his shirt tail going, I can't get nowhere without you, and you better lead me every step of the way so I don't gratify the desires of my flesh. I'm going to walk where the Spirit of God says to walk. And the Spirit of God says, don't go there. Guess what? We don't go there. And if he says, don't say that, guess what? We don't say that. And if he says, get away from them, guess what? We're going to get away from them. Because we have to acknowledge that when we walk by the Spirit, the Spirit of God knows what we don't. There's a reason I look at my, my almost three-year-old and I say, do not do this. Now, he gets upset and cries because he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand that what he's trying to do is going to hurt himself. But I understand it. And so I just say, no, don't do that. And I know he's not at a stage where he can fully comprehend it. He doesn't understand why he can't. All he knows is, is I'm telling him, no. We need to be like the child again. And when the Holy Spirit says, yes, go here, or no, don't go there, we don't need to whine and complain and fight and scream. We just need to say, yes, I'm coming. Yes, I'm leaving. Why? Because we're going to walk by the Spirit because we acknowledge He knows better than we do. Amen? All right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go to verse 18. And Paul continues here about talking about being led by the Spirit. He says, but but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Okay? Now, again, I know this may seem a little out of place, uh, this verse right here, but all Paul is doing is he's just clarifying once again, hey, if you're walking and if you're underneath the Spirit of God, you've got to understand you're under the new covenant as well. Okay? Because in the Old Testament, during during the times of the old law, the Spirit of God was not walking around with them. Okay? We are living in the best time to be a Christian, believe it or not. This is the best time you can. Why? Because we can have the actual Spirit of God inside of us. That should just blow our minds. If you are saved, if you have asked, if you have acknowledged Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God is inside of you right now. And He leads you and He guides you. And that's incredible. This is a great time. But back in the Old Testament, they didn't have that. They just had the law. They just had to listen and obey the law. And if they didn't, there was punishment. And Paul says, look, if you are walking underneath the Spirit, you're not under the law. You don't have to abide by the law. You don't have to follow the rules of the law. You are now walking with grace with the Spirit. So then he goes to verse 19. He says this, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, if you have ever needed a descriptive list of what not to do. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 has got you covered. If you've ever wondered, should I do this, should I? Galatians 5, 19, let's see what it says. If it's going to fall under any of those things, we probably don't need to do it. 
Now, I'm not saying that's everything, because Paul even puts the little add on there. He says, and things like these. So he didn't even get to everything. But he says, these are all evident. These are all works of the flesh. And I love how he used that word. He said, the, he said, the works of the flesh, the desires of the flesh are evident. You know, they're obvious. Okay? There are some people, and I'm not saying anybody in this room has done it, but there are some people who will come to me or they have come to others, and they have said, while pursuing the flesh, they have said, I feel like this is what God wants me to do. And I want to look at them and, and all love with, of Christ in my tone. I want to say, are you stupid? That's what I want to say. Again, I, I've got to walk by the Spirit. I can't walk by the flesh. But that's what I want to say because it's one of those things where I'm like, that, that, do, that doesn't compute. That doesn't make sense. It's evident what the, what the desires of the flesh are. And right now you're pursuing what's evident. I need you to pursue what is of the Spirit and not of the flesh. So if you come to me one day and you go, Pastor Chase, listen, sometimes I just, I'm stressed and my kids are crazy. My wife is crazy. Everything's crazy. Job is stressful. You know, we're not making enough money, blah, blah, blah. So I like to just drink a little bit until I get to, to that, that feeling where I just, I, I, you know, I get to doing that little sway because I feel something. I'm like, yeah, I feel pretty good now. That's what, that's what I like to do, you know, just to take that edge off. So I'm not, well, I'll just go, okay, but it tells me here that you, that's a desire of the flesh. I'm sorry, but that's what it tells me. If you come to me and you tell me, Chase, Pastor Chase, listen, I want everything that my neighbor has. And I don't think it's wrong because he's just got better stuff than I do. Just okay. Well, let's look at let's look here in the Bible. Well, yeah, it looks pretty evident to me. That, that's envy. And I don't think you need to do that. So then, if you go, well, look. Sometimes I just get in fights and I just beat up on people, but I can't help it. I just that's just that's just my personality. I just get angry. Oh, okay, well, let's look. Fits of anger uh, looks pretty. That looks like a desire of the flesh right there to want to beat up on people. I don't see how the spirit could really encourage that. Are you following me? Uh, we could keep going. I mean, it says here, if you want to get naked in a big group with other people, well, let's look right here. That's wrong, too. So anything you're sitting there thinking, oh, I just, it looks obvious because it is. If it's, just, if it's a desire of your flesh, then you have to understand that's what you're walking by. That's what you're living in. And Paul says, I don't encourage you to do that. I encourage you to stay away from any of that. And so if you want to know what to stay away from, Galatians 5, chapter 19 and 20 is going to tell you everything you need to stay away from if you're going to walk by the Spirit. And then he says this, he says, I warned you before, let me warn you one more time. If you partake in these things, if you do these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, now, let me explain, because I know I don't want anybody getting confused and, and leaving just all out of sorts. Paul's not saying if you've ever done one of these, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. Because we know what Romans says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That we know. That's why we need a Savior. That's why we need forgiveness. That's why, that's why we are broken and have to come to a perfect Savior. What Paul is saying is that if you choose to walk that way, if you choose to make that your lifestyle, 
then you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You will not, because if you remember, we've been going over this in Galatians, and I know you guys just have that sharp memory. This is all about a family inheritance, that when we are saved, we're adopted into the family of God. Part of that family comes a great inheritance from our heavenly Father. But if you're not going to act like sons ought to act and daughters ought to act, you can't accept the inheritance. I'll give you another comical story. I have a grandmother. She's 90. She'll be 94 this December. And she has told me several times, and when I say several, I mean a lot, that if she ever finds out that I have ever sipped or tasted alcohol, if I got a girl pregnant before I married her, or if I got a tattoo. Now, again, this is my I'm not saying, okay, this is my grandmother okay, that she would write me out of her wheel. And any time my mom would remind me of that, she would go, and she's serious. She will write you out because she keeps hers in the freezer. You know, that way, you know, y'all know what I'm talking about. She keeps hers in the freezer in a Ziploc bag. And so, and so she's like, she'll go open that freezer and she'll pull it out of that Ziploc bag and she'll write you out. And I'm like, okay, I promise. But see, that's why I never told Momo what I did. What she, what she don't know won't hurt her, amen? You guys know. And the thing is, is that there were certain guidelines and obligations that I had to follow that Momo said, you better do this, otherwise you can't get the inheritance. And that's the same way it is for us when, yeah, you can get saved. I want you to be saved. I, I, when the rapture happens and, and, and God comes and he gathers all his church up and we're all dancing on the cloud on our way to glory, I want to see you standing right by me and we're going to jump together. I can't believe we're here. We're going. It's time. We're going to jump. To, it's going to be great. But you can't get your inheritance if you're not going to follow the obligations of the son and the daughter of God. And part of that is you cannot walk by your flesh. You cannot seek out the desires of your flesh whenever you want and live like that. So now let's go to this. Let's go to verse 22. Because now Paul is going to get to, okay, that's what you can't do. That's what you've got to stay away from. This is what the flesh looks like. So now let's look at what the spirit looks like. So now Galatians 5.22, you all will know this. It says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Okay. So now we've got our fruits of the Spirit. Now, we all know the fruits of the Spirit. You know, if you've got a kid, you probably know the song too. But if you don't, it's a pretty catchy song. But we all know the fruits of the Spirit. And so I immediately think of when Jesus was teaching and he said, listen, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And so tonight, we have to make up our minds, what kind of fruit are we going to bear? When people come and they look at you, are they going to see fleshly fruit? Fruit that comes from anger and bitterness? 
fruit that comes from things of the flesh? Is this a person who's always looking for the next hookup? Is this a person that's always looking for the next drink? Is this a person that's always looking to satisfy this right here? Or is this a person whose fruit looks like it comes from God? Okay? Let me explain it to you like this, okay? There are... um, uh, there's a lot of great stuff out there, products and everything, but for this sake, and again, if you're against them, that's fine. Uh, but my wife and I, uh, we're, we're big Disney fans. Like I said, if you're against them, that's okay. Okay, but I love the old movies and I love the, the collectibles and stuff like that. All right, this is the funny part about that, about collectibles. Okay, now you can go onto the official Disney website and you can find whatever you're looking for t shirts, action figures, whatever. But then you can also keep searching the internet and you can find the not so Disney website and you can find these little cheap little websites of these much cheaper t shirts and action figures. The problem is, is that it's going to look a lot different than the original. And you're going to be able to tell by looking at it. That one's authentic and legitimate, and that one came from some 25-cent website. You know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like sunbeam bread. Anybody like sunbeam? Look, when my wife and I first got married, all we had was love. That was it. We had no money. You know, that that was supposed to be funny, not sad, but... uh, All we had was love and no money. And so when my, you know, Hope, she handles all the grocery shopping in our family. I'm not, that's not, that's not my wheelhouse. That's just not, if you ask me to go buy groceries, I'm going to buy some Oreos, some Doritos, some bread, some cheese, and a little bit of turkey meat. And I'm going to be okay. And some mustard. I got to have some mustard on my turkey and cheese sandwich. But that's it. I'm, I'm fine with that. But see, my wife, she, she thinks like 4D chess. She's thinking like, well, what, what are we going to do for this? And she like maps out the meals for each night, and she like puts them on the fridge. And I'm like, baby, I did good marrying you. Good. You know, I don't know what I'm going to eat next. And then I look at the fridge, and I'm like, man, look at that. That's what we're having. And she done bought all the groceries for it. Guys, it's awesome. Y'all should get married if y'all haven't. That's just a little bit more humor. But when we first got married, all she bought, because to save money, okay, to save money, we've all been there, she would buy great value bread, okay? Now, nothing's wrong with great value. I'm not saying anything bad about great value. But I noticed that the great value loaf of bread would sure go bad pretty quickly. And we actually started losing a lot of bread (laughs) in the house like we were actually wasting a good bit of bread because it would go bad so quickly. You know, I would buy great value if you were going to have like a big family picnic and you knew you were going to get through it in six hours. But if you're just going to keep it in for like a week or two weeks, I wouldn't trust it. So one day I went to her and I said, baby, I said, I love the way you do things. And I never complain. I said, I just got one request. And she's like, yeah, what's that? I have to be careful because I don't want her to think I'm like, cramping up her grocery shopping style. You know what I'm saying? I said, can we get Sunbeam instead of Great Value? And she looked at me kind of funny, like Sunbeam is like a whole $2 more on the loaf. And I'm like, I know, I know. But I said, just listen, listen to me. And I tried to get her to see my side of it because, you know, 
I've had sunbeam bread. I've done been to the glory land of sunbeam. I know it's good. I, I, I know what I'm getting when I buy sunbeam. And so I said, look, just, let's just get it. Let's try it. You know, if you hate it and you don't, you don't see no difference, and what, we'll just go back to great value. We'll, we'll, we'll do whatever you want to. So she bought sunbeam. And then she pulled out that yellow bag out of the grocery sack, and I was just like, yes, Lord, glory, hallelujah. And, and so she fixed her a sandwich, and she said, all right, I'm going to try it. And you guys are probably out there thinking I'm weird, but there's a difference between great value bread and sunbeam. Because when she ate that sandwich, she went, we are never buying great value again. That's what she said. And to this day, we always get sunbeam if they've got it. And so my point is this, is that when you're able to look at something, you say, okay, well, that's definitely the real deal. And that's fake. Or this is definitely higher value than this. If you start looking into like people who study antiques and or, or if you look at jewelers, they're able to look at the real diamonds and tell it from a fake. They're able to look at the real antiques and tell them from a fake. My dad always used to love to watch that Pawn Star show where they would bring in all those different items. They want to sell it, and the guy would look at it. He would go, look, this is a fake. It's a phony. I'll give you 20 bucks. And the guy on the other side of the case is like, I spent $6,000 on this. He told me it was real. He's like, I'm sorry, man. You know, the expert said it's fake. There's a way that it can be, we can tell it apart. Here's the thing. When people look at you, they can tell you apart by how you speak, how you look, what you're doing. And so that's why when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, when we talk about this right here, it's important that you are exhibiting those godly qualities that come from walking by the Spirit. Are you following me so far? Because if not, people will look at you and they are going to associate you with the world. You want to know one of the biggest problems with the church today? People associate us with the world. Why? Because when they look at us, what do they see? They see a bunch of bad trees producing bad fruit. And they don't see the good trees producing the good fruit. Now, I'm not saying everybody in here is a bad tree. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we have to be intentional when we say, I'm going to walk by the Spirit so I show peace and love and joy, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Man, we could preach on every single one of those could preach on the peace of God, what it means to have peace. Some of you dealing with your stress and your anxiety, can I go ahead and tell you, you do not have to carry it. You do not have to medicate it. You don't have to make it a burden in your life. But God says, if you walk by the Spirit, I give you peace. So much so, it's a peace that is beyond your comprehension, beyond your understanding. You think you know what love is? The, the Spirit of God says, I can give you love that is unlike any love you've ever seen. A love that makes you able to love other people, which is one of the hardest things to do is to love other people. But the Spirit of God says, I can put a love in you to where when you see those hurting and broken people, you see them as I see them, and you're able to love them like I love them. How do you think people in this church are able to go out and just bless people, strangers, bring them into this church, 
buy their groceries, do things for them that I'm talking complete strangers just to help them out like that. It's just the love of God. Because we're able to see them the way the Father sees them. You want to talk about joy, the joy of God? David says the joy of the Lord is my strength. Joy and happiness are not synonymous. They are not the same. Happiness comes from a moment. I'm happy when I'm on vacation. I'm happy when my sport team wins. But then I'm sad when I'm not on vacation. I'm sad when they lose. But joy never leaves me. Why? Because joy comes from the Spirit. It comes from the the Holy Spirit of God. And it is something that strengthens me to get up every day and do what I've got to do for the kingdom. Are you with me tonight? I may get a little preaching, but, but this is good stuff when we start getting into the attributes of God. Because when we begin to look at it and say, these are the qualities that we should have. We start looking at self-control. Man, self-control, that's a fun one. Can I go ahead and tell you self-control is not just about your anger. Self-control can also be about how you take care of yourself. Hmm. I know that's not popular here in the South. I made a joke one time with a, with a, a buddy of mine. He's a youth pastor. I said, you want to know what you'll never hear taught in the South at a church? He said, what? I said, the sin of gluttony. I said, you'll never hear it preached on, not one time. And then I told that to Pastor Lot. He said, I've preached on that. I'm like, you would be the one guy. And all of South, all of Southern USA that's preached on it before. But self-control, gentleness, how to be gentle towards others, towards yourself, towards your kids, when they're getting on your nerves, and they do it a lot. Trust me, mine do. And I got to look at my wife, and then I got to look in the mirror, and I got to say, have grace for your kids, Chase. Have grace. Because I got to be gentle. We start looking at it. These are the attributes that we should have. If I asked you today, if I said, can you raise your hand if you walk by the flesh? I don't know if anybody would raise their hand. Some of you might if you honestly feel like you are. But then I said, are you walking by the Spirit? Well, most of us would put our hands up. And we would say, yes, Chase, I am walking by the Spirit of God. And then I would say this, all right, how many of you have the peace of God right now in your life? How many of you have the joy of God? In your, how many of you have the patience the love, the kindness, the self-control, the goodness. How many of you are exhibiting those qualities right now in your day-to-day life? And I imagine some of those hands might kind of come down just a little bit. Like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm... And see, that's where where it becomes an issue. It's easy to say, yeah, I'm going to walk by the Spirit. I'm going to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. And I, that's, because I'm not going to gratify the desires of the flesh. But can I tell you that if you could, if you just say it, but you're never producing the fruit, it's pointless. Because someone who truly walks by the Spirit is going to produce the fruit of the Spirit. That makes sense, right? You're following me. That if you, if you walk by the Spirit truly, then you're going to produce the fruit. of the, It's going to happen naturally. It has to. 
It has to. It, it follows. It's just the natural order of things, the supernatural order of things, that if you're going to walk by the Spirit, you're going to produce it. But if I begin to take a magnifying glass and to really look at your life, and if I began to see the bad fruit, the bitterness, the anger, the jealousy, the rage, the envy, the lust, whatever it is, and if I, that's all I began to see when I began to look at it and look at your heart, to look at your life, I would be able to know what you're walking by. I would be able to know that you're walking more to satisfy the desires of the flesh and you're not walking by the Spirit. I know this is really good stuff. Verse 24, this is what Paul says. He says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. This is, this is where kind of rubber meets the road. This is where it's time to make decisions. This is where it comes. And Paul is saying that. Paul is saying, look, if, if you know Christ Jesus, if you belong to him and that is your claim to the world, then it's time to nail some stuff to the cross. It's time to go ahead and lay that stuff down. And see, one of the problems is, is that we in the church have kind of developed a bad habit. And, and I want you to hear my heart on this, okay? Because I'm going to try and... As eloquently as I can, I want to get this out. We've almost created a handicap for people who can't crucify their own flesh. And we just give them like cool little uh, uh, hot words in its place. You know, like, oh, well, that's just your burden. Oh, well, that's just your thorn in your flesh. That's just what you have to carry. No. Mm -mm. The Bible says crucify your passions, your desires, put it on the cross. It says if you belong to Christ Jesus, he's yours, you claim him, you say, I'm saved, Jesus Christ. He says crucify it. Now, does that mean you'll be perfect? Oh, absolutely not. Because crucif crucifying the, the flesh is a hard thing to do. It's hard to put those desires and those passions up on the cross. But that's the only way we can walk by the Spirit. That's the only way that we're ever going to, to be led where God wants us to go, where He wants us to be, and what He wants us to do, is we have to learn how to crucify the flesh again, to lay it all down to lay down the burdens, the bondage, the addiction, whatever you want to call it, whatever, to lay it down and let it go. I remember telling a girl this one time, and she, she was in my youth group at one point, and, and I said, listen, I said, it does no good for you to come to this altar and lay it down, but pick it up and take it back to your seat. You've got to come lay it down and leave it and say, it's gone. It's done. I'm not picking it up. I'm not going back to that place. I'm leaving it. And that is the hard part. That is what requires the Spirit. Because again, remember, it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by your Spirit. It's by the Spirit of God. And I don't care 
how long you've been struggling with it, no amount of discipline is going to get you in your own power to quit. But it's going to be only by the power of the Spirit of God that you can lay down what you've got to lay down. Whatever passions, whatever desires, whatever's going on in your life, the only way that you're going to get to where you are, you have overcome, you are done with it, is through the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. And then let's go here. Let's go to verse 25. He says this, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep and step with the Spirit. I love this because, again, it goes back to the imagery I showed you earlier with the child following dad, and he's got that hand. He's grabbing onto the shirt tail of dad, and he's just walking in step with dad. And that's how my kids are when we're in public because I know how people can be. If you're a parent, you know. There's just that fear of, like, somebody could come snatch your kid. Something could happen. You could lose them in a crowd. You just don't know. And so you're like, you better hang on while we walk through this thing. We got to go to the uh, to the peanut festival out there in Collins, Mississippi this past weekend. Had a lot of blast, ate some boiled peanuts, had some lemonade. It was a lot of fun. And my boys, they're not old enough where they can really just get away from me just a little bit and I feel okay. But they're not a baby anymore where I can just put them in the stroller the whole time. Like they want their independence. They want to be able to walk around. And so I let them walk around. But I put the fear of God in them, and I'm like, you better stay by me, or I will wear you out. And they know, they know that if they wander off, it's coming. Because I'd much rather them learn that way than the other way. I'll just say it like that. And so when we're walking, (laughs) it's funny, because then I get frustrated when they trip me up over my own two feet. But I'm the one that told them to stay that close. But we're walking, and I can just feel them both on one side. And they're walking right there with me. And uh, my oldest, Deke, he likes to put his hand right on the back of my thigh, and he just walks. And he just got, he's got his hand right there on the back of my thigh. And he just walks, and he don't let go. Until I say, yeah, you can go ahead. Like when, like when we saw the little tree house and the slide. And he was like, ooh, daddy, slide. I said, yeah, go ahead. And he let go. Because he knew he could at that point. But see, if we're going to live by the Spirit, we've got to keep in step with the Spirit. When the Spirit says go, we got okay, I'm coming, I'm coming. And I'm going to grab hold, and I'm going to let you lead me. And whatever you say i got to do, I'm going to do it. And wherever i got to go, I'm going to go. Whatever i got to say, I'm going to say, because I want you to lead me so I end up in the exact place that I need to be. I become the exact person I need to become. I, I, I do everything that I need to do to, 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 to make a difference here in the kingdom of God. But that means we've got to stay in step with them. We've got to keep up with them. And the only way to do that is to get as close as we can, grab on, and not let go. Amen? Verse 26, and this is going to close us out for chapter 5. He says, let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Here's the thing. As you begin to, and again, Paul lays out a beautiful outline here. Hey, if you want to get your walk with Jesus back on track, Galatians 5 is your book. 
Go go read Galatians 5. Go read that chapter, and you put into practice what you're saying, and you're going to start seeing a difference in your walk with Christ. Lay down the things that need to be laid down, crucify the flesh, and start letting the Spirit of God lead you, and the fruit is going to start coming out. But then he says this, don't become conceited. Can I go ahead and tell you, I'm, I'm really not a pessimistic person, but I like to bring things to attention so we can always address them and become better at them. But one of the problems I see in some churches, again, I'm not saying this church, but in some churches is that we become conceited. That's why when somebody comes in off the street who has never stepped foot in church in their life, we chase them out the door. Because we've done, we've become conceited. We be, now we're provoking one another. Now it's all about I'm better than you. I'm better at this than you are. I'm further along at this than you are. Guys, we're all in the same boat together. And we're all going to the same place. And we're all just trying to help each other out along the way. I don't care if you've been saved all your life or if you've been saved for 24 hours. I'm going to do my best to help you get to where I'm at. Because where I'm at, I'm looking at somebody else to help me get to where they're at. And there's never a time for me to get full of myself. And there's never a time for you to get full of yourself and say, you know what, I've made it, I've arrived. I'm to the place that I need to be. The only time you reach that place is when God says, it's your time, come on home. But until then, we're to always keep striving and pushing each other in love to grow and to do better and to reach even more for the kingdom of God. So don't get to a place where you start provoking one another and also don't get to a place where you're envying one another. Maybe you are that person that's been saved just for a day, a year, a week, a month, six months, whatever. Don't look at Pastor Lot and go, man, I wish I could be like him. Don't, don't look at it like that and go, man, if I just keep it up, I can be like him one day. But it's going to take you time, just like how it takes everybody else time. But don't get to a place where we begin to turn on one another I feel like, if you'll, and if you'll go ahead and stand with me tonight, I feel like the church, we, if we could get back to what Paul is saying and we could show love to one another and if we could unite together once again on reaching the lost and growing the kingdom of God and, and doing what we're supposed to do as Christians, I feel like we could be so much more effective, so much more successful. But we've got we've to get back to doing what he says here. These last two verses, let's go back to them, verse 25. These last two verses is what we've got to do. It says, if we live by the Spirit, we've got to keep step with the Spirit. We've got to stay in rhythm with Him. We've got to hold on and not let go and follow Him until He says we're done. That's the first thing we've got to do. We've got to stay in step with the Spirit. And whatever that calls for, lay it down. Whatever that means you got to give up, give it up. And then lastly, verse 26. Church, we've got to stop provoking one another. We have to stop turning against our own. We have to stop coming against each other and trying to tear each other down. It is not my job to come in here and tear you down. It is my job to help you become everything that God wants you to be. 
But if, if, if we get in the habit, if we get in the business of not following those last two instructions, then ultimately we won't accomplish very much and we won't do very much. And you'll look back on your life and you'll, you'll wonder what happened. How come you couldn't ever do better? How come you couldn't get over that hump? How come you couldn't accomplish more for the kingdom of God? Why does your life feel like you wasted so much time? It's because you never, never got behind the Spirit of God. You never walked by the Spirit. And it's also because you always spent your time provoking somebody else. You always just try to push somebody else the wrong way. Can I tell you this? If you're provoking other people, it's because your eyes are on them and not on the Lord. I think we could all benefit if we just keep our eyes on the Spirit of God in front of us and not worry about what our neighbors are getting themselves into. We need to pray for them, not tear them down. So this is my challenge this week. As you, as you leave and as you exit those double doors, trust me, it's going to happen instantly because right now some of you in your mind, you're saying, wow, Chase, you, you know that was a great message. It really applied to me, and I'm going to go out, and I'm going to do better, and I'm going to grow, and I'm going to start doing everything you said do. But as soon as you step outside of those doors, guess what's going to happen? The flesh. The flesh is going to rise up. If you have anger issues and you say, you know what, I'm going I'm to get self-control. I, I really want to walk by the Spirit. Your kids are going to be absolutely insane tonight. I'm just, I'm not a prophet, but I'm just saying, just go ahead and anticipate it. It's, it's going to happen. And, and you're going to have to, in that moment, learn to say, okay, I can't go the route of the flesh. I've got to, what, what would the Spirit do? And I find myself doing this several times a day. No joke, this is what I do. <sighs> Holy Spirit, help me. I mean, deep breath and everything. I'm just, oh, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me. What would you do? What would you say right now? And when I open my eyes back up, my wife is still staring at me with angry eyes. So I just close my eyes again. I'm like, oh, Holy Spirit, what would you say? What do I need to do right now? Because I can't react in the flesh. Because when we react in the flesh, we do more damage. If I lash out at somebody in the flesh, it's going to take a long time in the spirit to get back what I lost in that moment. And church, can I go ahead and tell you tonight, man, let's all just make a declaration that Man, from, from this night on, I'm going to walk by the Spirit of God so that I can, I can just go to new places. I'm not saying you got to move, but God can take you to new places, show you new things. You can make all kinds of differences in the lives of others in the kingdom of God if you would just let the Spirit lead you. And if you would get away from the flesh, and you would let that old flesh just die. Just let it die. Jesus said it like this, and they're going to pray, they're going to close. Jesus said, he said, look, he said, look at the lilies of the field. He said, they're beautiful. He said, Solomon in all his splendor 
was not as beautiful as those lilies out there. And he said, and look at the sparrow. The sparrow who goes every day and he looks for food and finds it. He says, do you not think your heavenly father cares about you more than the lilies in the field and the sparrows in the air? He says, how much more then is he going to take care of you? Anything that you're craving right now in your flesh, I'm just going to go ahead and give you a little bit of insight, okay? Is that okay? Because I, 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 like, I feel like this is something that is going to help somebody tonight. The craving that you have in the flesh can be met in the right way through the Spirit. Okay? Let's just take envy. If you're envying what somebody else has, you need, to, you need to go ahead and let that die, and you need to begin to let the Spirit lead you. And He said, I'll supply all your needs. It's going to change your whole perspective. Now you're not wanting everybody's other You're not wanting all their stuff because God's going to give you what you need. You want to look at lust as a problem? If lust is your issue, you need to, especially if you're married already, if you're married, you need to let the Spirit lead you so that your perspective can change and God can go ahead and, 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 and heal that marriage and let that not be an issue anymore. No matter what it is, the Spirit has an answer for it. And He will take care of you. And He will give you everything that you ever could possibly need. But only if we let Him lead us. If you will, bow your heads tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that's here tonight. I thank you, Lord, that even right now you're touching the lives of the people and that, Lord, as we leave, we are going to allow your Spirit to lead us in what we say, what we do, even what we think. And God, I praise you, Lord, for the testimonies that will come as people begin to crucify the flesh and they let the Spirit lead them. And Father, I thank you for the places we're going to go and the things that we're going to do for your kingdom. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. Be blessed in the rest of your week. And remember, let the Spirit lead you. Have a great week.